Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Anthony with the pump fake and one dribble inside to the long two, and he makes it. That's been his game his whole career, but look at him smiling. We go, my man. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Long Two. I am Pete Rogers. He is Natty Wallach, and we are the least efficient fantasy basketball podcast you'll ever hear, but we get the job done. Natty, what is on your mind this evening? What's up, man? How's it going? Uh, it's all right. It's not great, if I were to be honest with you. I don't know if you watched the FIBA game today, but uh, Jason Tatum sprained his ankle, and... I have to say, I kind of was hoping that maybe in these exhibition FIBA world games that we could just turn off the uh, injury slider so that we didn't have to worry about any players getting hurt. But kind of kind of hard to see to see the future of your franchise go down in a meaningless game against Turkey, which they almost lost. Well, you hope he's the future of your franchise, <laughs> judging by the Celtics' recent history. Maybe he won't be. <laughs> I but can always trust. I can always trust you, Natty, to to bring me back down to earth. Be like, oh, oh, what you're worried about isn't actually that he's injured. It's that he might not be actually who you think he is as a player. I love Tatum, <laughs> and thank God it seemed. I read something that said that uh, he felt pretty good after the game. And- yeah, no, I did see that. I was like desperately reading everything that possibly was out there on Twitter about how his ankle was. But I do think that um, you know, hopefully, he's maybe not a starter next game and that we can, or maybe he just doesn't play at all and (laughs) uh, other people step up in his stead because he had to play weird minutes today. Um, I wasn't able to watch the game, but I watched as many highlights and read as much stuff as I could when I got home today. And uh, that was just a strange game. Pop rolled out some, uh, some interesting lineups for some interesting times against a team that by all, by all, you know, intensive purposes, we should have, trounced they shouldn't have been close dude like mason plumley didn't even play dude, what the <laughs> fuck pop what are you doing yeah, man? yeah i think he was trying to lose on purpose um <laughs> it's i i do agree with you i mean we we did win so so uh, a win's a know, win yeah exactly and maybe it's good to get a tough one like a you know some cold water in the face mm-hmm. early on um Turkey does have a weird team, though, and uh, Chidi Osman and Ersan Ilyasova did very well against us, Yeah. Uh, although neither of them shot very well from three, but they took a bunch of them. Um, Ferknan Korkmaz, Furkan Korkmaz, however you say his name, he did well. T- so their NBA players did pretty well against us, mm-hmm. and I just don't know what happened. I mean, he pull- Pop pulled the bigs, um, right. and... Than Tatum was at center, I guess. Um, yeah, just sort of strange. Uh, I, Harrison Barn was two for six from the field. Uh, Joe Harris did his job. He shot well. Um, Donovan Mitchell was three for 12 from the field. 
I have I have two conspiracy theories before we go into our, our main event for the podcast. Conspiracy theory number one, which you just uh, proposed and I support, is that Pop purposely kept this game close and was trying to lose it so that to throw some cold water on Team USA, even though I think losing would have knocked them out of the tournament. Are we in bracket play? I don't know. No, I think uh, we would have still been in so long as we won our next game. Perfect. So, you know, Pop giving everyone a wake-up call. I also think conspiracy theory number two, that Brad Stevens talked to Pop ahead of this uh, this uh, this tournament and was like, hey, look, I'm thinking about playing Tatum at center this year. Can you show <laughs> me some of that during the FIBA games? And just so I can see whether or not I'm, like, onto something or if I'm wildly off. Because I will say Tatum immediately texted Brad Stevens afterwards, according to multiple Twitter sources saying that checking in saying his ankle was okay. So I feel like there could be a line of communication there between Brad Stevens and pop and Brad being a little under the table work, trying to uh, get, get some center minutes for Tatum. Uh, I think that if conspiracy theory number two is true, then pop was probably like, yeah, I'll play him at center and I'll Let's- fucking get him injured and <laughs> you can go fuck yourself. Brad. <laughs> Who do you think you are, Brad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're nine minutes old, and you haven't done <laughs> shit, by the way. Not a goddamn thing, except let your team explode over the course of a season when you should have been one of the premier teams in the league. Anyway, uh, I think that um, this was just a weird game, and I don't really believe in that four-dimensional chess stuff, really. Like, I think Pop maybe just didn't have a good coaching game, um and you know the bigs just didn't do a lot but it is sort of strange like if what you're looking for is an inside presence then why didn't mason plumley get some minutes mvp of america mason plumley yeah and also by the way jalen brown missed all three of his shots and he only made one of his three free throws all right all right all right just now saying just like now. everyone maybe just played bad you know yeah. like and so if you can throw it away then i mean not everyone played bad uh, kemba was fine kemba was good middleton was good yeah but so yeah whatever and yeah. turkey caught fire and we won we and we won, won. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there we go uh let's talk some actual fantasy basketball since this is what the podcast is supposed to be built around uh the season's still away a little ways away but you know you're starting to key in starting to warm up those get those juices flowing again about who you're thinking who you're looking at maybe drafting if you're doing redrafts or maybe who who your opponents have gotten who you're maybe going to try to target via trades if you're in dynasty uh so we're going to talk most intriguing players in fantasy basketball this year uh natty do you want to go first or do you want me to go first what are you what are you feeling right now you just got a player you have to talk about right off the bat you know uh I do have a player we have to talk about right off the bat, but it's not one of, I, although he is intriguing, we have to talk about Mello just real oh, fast okay. and our okay. intro music, and I'll let you take care of that. <laughs> well, I mean, Mello is the king of the long two, and so as a long two podcast, we have to respect those who came before us to who truly cemented uh, that shot. And so, you know, when, when you can give credit to credits too, Carmelo Anthony not only uh, is the master of the long two also could be on the Brooklyn Nets this season. Who knows? There's a lot of things up in the air, um, but all in all real, in all realness, in all seriousness, I do feel like Carmelo Anthony in the last couple of years has become the butt of the NBA, which is very unfair because 
prime Carmelo Anthony was fucking amazing at basketball. So anytime that we can put some respect in his name and give him the credit that he deserves, we're here for that. So that's, that's why we got a little mellow in the opening, just so that every time you listen to this podcast, you're reminded that, oh, shit, Carmelo Anthony was in this league and actually a serious basketball player. So there you go. And he got fucking railroaded last year on Houston and got blamed for their rough start when he won a couple of those games basically by himself and everybody was shooting cold on Houston and Maury just threw him under the bus. Uh, Classic. Carmelo Anthony is a good basketball player and should be on an NBA team. And if you can't get him to fill minutes where he's sort of the star and all the other starters are on the, like, just let him start and then pull him at the first time. Like, yeah, you, you should, it shouldn't be this hard to do the nuance and semantics behind who's a starter and who isn't, that shouldn't matter. He's yeah. a guy that can get you 20 points and change a game. And just because you don't like how he plays doesn't mean that it's not still valuable. So I'm just, I'm baffled by the whole thing. Really? Like, <laughs> it's not because he's not disliked like Dwight Howard. You know, like everybody loves him. So it's, I don't know. He, he, I think he's really, as you said, gotten a bad reputation over the past few years. And I really just don't think it's all his fault. No, I completely agree. Um, is he, is he your number one most intriguing player in fantasy? I mean, it, you got to have him on your team if you're going to be at all playing this sport. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say this. I think about Carmelo in terms of this NBA season as if he will be on a team eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't really given any thought to like <laughs> what it would actually look like or where he will be. I mean, let's say the Nets pick him up, then his role on Brooklyn would be different than if he was picked up by the Lakers. Right. Know? So um, it's hard. I, I, I do think that Carmelo will look like Carmelo, <laughs> um, but I I just don't know which team, I guess, I want him to be on, but I love Melo. I really hope that he plays. Yeah, we all do. We're, we're here for you, Melo, and if you want to come on to the podcast and talk about how you feel like you're being blackballed from the league or just how what you can bring to a team, uh, we are a platform that many NBA players listen to, and so uh, you'll you'll really be able to speak to your compadres you know where he might be interesting is on toronto Ooh, interesting Kawhi. i mean there's a dude that can get you buckets i mean he's Um, basically Kawhi. like what does toronto have to lose they kind of blow it all up anyway so just give him you know a one-year deal with maybe an option and he becomes trade bait if it and if it works out like you're in the playoffs again Perfect. All right, let's get to actual glad fantasy basketball. Yeah, I'm glad we solved Carmelo's trajectory. <laughs> um, all right, who do you got as an intriguing player? Who's the top of your list as a intriguing players for fantasy basketball this year? Okay, my number one is Malcolm Brogdon. Victor Oladipo isn't going to be playing until it seems like December at the earliest. So Malcolm Brogdon's going to be running this team. And it's a weird team, like we've talked about, and like people have probably read about, you know, uh, Sabonis and Miles Turner are their two ultra-talented bigs, and people aren't really sure if they're going to keep that duo on the team or if they'll get rid of one of them. But in the meanwhile, Malcolm Brogdon, who is one of only a few players who uh, approached 
uh, peak efficiency last year. He shot 50% from the floor. Um, he got 15, four, and three, and only 12 other dudes did that. I mean, he's plus 40% from three. He's just a really efficient guy, and he did all of that with not as many shots as you might think. So he'll have more opportunities to score on this team because they need scoring. And if he can keep the efficiency up, then all of a sudden he's going to look like one of the best players in the NBA. Yeah, I like him. I, I, I like the a role where he's going to be thrust into a lot of minutes right from the start with Oladipo coming back. Um, yeah. and, and you're going to get a ton of usage there to start the season. And it could be something where you have him, you, you, utilize him during that usage time and then maybe once you see Olodipo come back you kind of get a gauge of how they're using but if his usage drops a lot then he's a great guy who you can trade like trade him at that kind of right at that teetering point see what you can get for him um sure. and then and then watch him crash in your league mates team because Olodipo is the one who's getting all of the touches but if he does you know if that doesn't happen if he is able to co- coexist with the uh, with Oladipo, then clearly he's talented enough to continuously give you some kind of production. So he's definitely, he's a good, and you're, and you're getting out of uh, Milwaukee, which is the sense of, you know, uh, the ball is always going to be in Giannis's hands. And so now that ball is going to be distributed a little bit more, hopefully. And so now we can see a little bit more of Brogdon maybe as a playmaker too. Yeah. He is a guy that should be able to take advantage of this opportunity he's being given. Um, and if Indiana starts off well, then there's no reason to rush Victor back. So, right. and you know, depot has been injured, so maybe they'll just be really conservative with him anyway. Um, I think that having those two ball handlers on the court at once when everyone's healthy is going to just be absolute dynamite. And yeah, I totally agree. Uh, that is just, again, Indiana will be a team that no one wants to play in the playoffs. Um, and if they can finish or figure out their front court and maybe they don't need, maybe they already figured it out. Maybe Sabonis and Turner are great together. Um, but Brogdon is just a peak efficiency player and I still really can't believe that Milwaukee let him go. <laughs> he was um, a top 100 player last year, by the way, and he's probably going to be top 75 at least this year. That's a, definitely a guy people should, you should be keeping eyes on. My number one most intriguing player this year, uh, it has to be the the unicorn, Christoph Porzingis. I mean, oh, shit. Nice. like, yeah. what does he look coming back from ACL surgery? What does he look like next to Luca? I feel like people, and I say people because I certainly have forgotten about this. Like, when you go back and look at his 2017-18 season before he actually got injured, the numbers he's putting up are just incredible. He's 22.7 per game, uh, 43% from the floor, 39.5 from three, 6.6 rebounds, 1.2 assists, almost a steal a game, and then 2.4 blocks. And he's just, you know, those are those are top 15 fantasy numbers, and he's currently at his ADP is like in the hundreds or top of the hundreds. So it's someone where there's a lot of question marks surrounding him, what he's going to play like, what he's going to look like in, in Dallas next to, next to Luca. But I think he's got the most return given his current, just kind of where people are feeling him right now. Like you can draft him way late in your drafts and he could give you 
possibly best fantasy player in basketball production. Who knows what is, what he's got? I live in New York, and watching him play was <laughs> so weird. It was just fascinating because it just doesn't seem like someone should be that big. And he looks huge next to NBA play. Oh, yeah. He's a monster. It's it's so goddamn bizarre, but it's really cool. Um I also think that he could be, you know, like a most improved fantasy player, even though it shouldn't really count since he missed all of last year. But <laughs> um, that team, the Mavericks are going to be, you know, strange again. But I do like the trajectory they're on. I don't think that you can rush Kristaps back. No. It's like when bigs start developing injuries consistently that's when you really have to start worrying and for a guy who's been out as long as he has i think that it makes sense to really go conservative and you know when you're sure he can come back then give it another week and then do it and yeah you know like top his minutes off at like 10 and then just work your way up um so even if everything went great I still don't think he would get the minutes that would make him a super duper star in fantasy, but he's going to be incredible. And, you know, he could be one of the top 10 players in the second half for all we know. I'm very excited to see how it plays out. They could be garbage though. You know, like (laughs) they could be Kristaps. Like we're, we're being optimistic and sorry for saying like so much. Uh, He could just be super rusty and taking it easy and being really slow and this could be his rehab year on the court so there is definitely you know a chance that he's not a great fantasy asset which i think is the reason why you see him going so low i think people are are pessimistic on him yeah but you know shit he's a unicorn he's magical and he's awesome so let's believe you're right. You're right about the bigs. Cause as soon we saw it with DeMarcus cousins, right. As soon as he got injured first, it just was a steady decline of everything wearing and tearing and falling apart. And you'd never want that to happen to anyone. But of course the Mavericks are going to be super uh, scared and conservative when it comes to Chris stops and making sure that he is fully healthy and fully ready to go. And so that might be, like you said, you're not getting any value fantasy wise until the second half of the season or even later. But I think he could be, We'll wait and see, but if you're in a dynasty league, now might be the play to kind of way lowball whoever has him in your league and try to like trade out from under him and be like, look, Kristaps isn't going to be playing for another really, let's be honest, season and a half. You don't want to house, you know, waste a roster spot on that. Let me send you, I don't know, uh, Zach Levine, like someone who's like good, but not not incredible in fantasy so that they feel like they're getting something back in return. And then, you know, a year down the road, you've got possibly a top 10, top 15 fantasy guy on your squad for basically free, but we'll see. We'll see. He's someone who I'm just very excited for because he's was amazing to watch. He was just putting up numbers that we had not seen from a guy, his size and doing things that we didn't. And so I just, part of this is just to single him out and hope that he has a, has a healthy return and can can be what he was in in new york for sure he's the heir to dirk on Mm -hmm. dallas and it's just perfect so um you know hopefully that team really it's gonna be so euro and so strange (laughs) they they will be interesting to watch and hopefully i mean luca's just gonna be one year better 
Right. Which is already just exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You got another one? Oh, I do. Oh, oh. I am going to stick with the front court and talk about someone else who was injured. Let's talk about Kevin Love. Hmm. The last time Kevin Love, so he played, you know, 22 games last year, just fine. Uh, but the last time he played like sort of a full year, he was a guy that basically got you 20 and 10. Now, only 16 players averaged a double-double last year in the NBA, and only six of those players shot better than 30% from three. Kevin Love is on those lists. He's a guy that can get 20 and 10, and he can shoot from deep, and he's going to be, you know, an incredible fantasy asset if he's anywhere close to being himself again. Everybody should be aware that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be ass. <laughs> They're just going to be. It's really just a, a world you're going to have to accept in a reality that we all are lived in. I think they'll be feisty. And if Kevin Love is totally healthy and totally back, then they, there will be times when he can, you know, win them games. But they're a team whose backcourt are rookies basically a rookie and a second year player and they don't really know what they are yet because nobody knows what they are yet and mm -hmm. what they can do so it's just going to be um a learning process for them probably i mean maybe they come in and they're fucking bonkers and cleveland's the most improved team in the league that could happen i suppose um but yeah i think kevin love is the star of this team. And even though you're going to want the rookies and the young players to get the ball, Kevin Love can pass, you know, he's a damn good passer. And so maybe he'll start being more like a point forward. That like would be if interesting. Those two guards can't pass, you know, if like if they're not point guards. You got to have someone playing the ball yeah. who can pass. Yeah. Are you, are you still this high on Kevin Love when he becomes a member of the Portland Trailblazers halfway through the season? Everybody really wants that. I want that <laughs> so badly. <laughs> and sure, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't really care. Um, I think Kevin Love is a really good player. I don't think that he's a guy that you have to have in order to advance in the postseason. Uh, you know, I'd sort of rather have someone who's better at defense, but he's a very valuable player and he would look incredible in portland but he'd also look incredible in oklahoma city or in mm. boston or um i don't know miami uh he he's a damn good player and if he's totally healthy then he'll be uh you know back on the national stage because there's no lebron around and <laughs> i mean he'll be the best player on the Cavs for sure yeah no, that's and he's a good guy to bring up because I do feel like he's someone who since was in Minnesota, which already doesn't get a lot of pub, uh, and so kind of languished there playing extremely well, then went to Cleveland to join LeBron, so then was always in LeBron's shadow and struggled with injuries and kind of getting on the same page and being able to put it forward production. And then LeBron left and the Cavs just were fucking garbage and so no one paid attention to them. So I feel like he is someone who people can easily overlook, one of those, you know, main players who are on a bad team so people are just kind of like well i feel like that just depresses their value when in reality if kevin love can stay healthy he is has plenty of fantasy value and is someone who could put together a very very strong season on a young Cavs team that could be looking for a leader and for someone to kind of motivate and to really 
uh, run this offense. And we, and we spent plenty of time talking about that right here of all the things that Kevin Love could bring to, to Cleveland. And K Love isn't old, you know, he's younger than LeBron. Um, he's, he's, he should be in his prime. So he could be a damn good fucking player this year. Yeah. Yeah. And he should be on your team. Uh, a guy who I'm interested in, and it's really, I should put the whole, the whole Pelicans team here because the, that whole team I'm very excited about and can't wait to see, but I'm going to give some props to Lonzo ball because Ooh. he is a player who I feel like it, is Rondo esque in the sense that he can just fill the stat sheet. Um, and mm-hmm. on an offense like New Orleans, where you're just going to have so many different weapons for him to pass to and get those assist numbers up. And then I'm sure that you'll get, you know, rebounds will be uh, Zion Williams' whole thing, but still something that he can do. He's good on defense, can get you steals. Um, and the shooting is really the, your, your worry. But he shot well in college, and maybe it was just the starlight of L.A. and being in LeBron's shadow for part of the season and having his dad be a thing and a function that kind of got in his head. I don't know. I'm hoping a change of scenery kind of loosens him up, lets him kind of shoot the ball better. And if he can, he's going in the mid-60s right now. I think he's got potential to be a top 50 guy. And so you're getting, again good return there. I think he's someone who's going to, could be a motivator and, and, and kind of the piston in this New Orleans offense. And it, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun to watch. And I think he could gain and benefit a lot from it. The Pelicans are also one of the fastest teams in the league. They love to run. And so that's a lot more shots. Lonzo is a guy that can do a lot of different things. And if his shot gets better, as most young players' shots do, then he'll turn into, you know, one of the stars in the league because his passing ability, he's he's such a young player with so much talent. Right. And uh, the haters were all out because, A, he was a Laker, and B, his dad, and C, he just didn't wow right away. Um, and now he, I mean, the thing about rebounds is that because there are so many more threes, there are a lot more long Mm -hmm. rebounds. Mm -hmm. So even as someone who might not be going into the paint as much to grab those, because it'll be full of enormous dudes like Zion, um, I think he'll still be a guy that can get a couple of triple doubles a season, especially with the pace that the Pelicans run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, and and again, he's just a young guy who has a lot of growth and getting out. I mean, let's face it, we've seen we've seen another young point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers get traded and then suddenly break out in Brooklyn in D'Angelo Russell. So who's to say that Lonzo maybe doesn't have the same offensive game, but can do a similar kind of like, oh, shedding off the uh, stigma of LA. And now suddenly the uh, media doesn't hate me. The world isn't out to get me. My dad's not on my my ass trying to get everything in line and I actually could play some good basketball. Dude, it's hard to be a point guard and play with LeBron. Just ask <laughs> Just Kyrie fucking Irving. Ask everyone. Because LeBron takes the ball up the court. So you're a point guard who doesn't have a job. And it's bizarre because if you're not the distributor, then your other skills are likely less valuable. So then you start questioning why the hell you're out there. Uh, meanwhile, you know, 
Lonzo and Brandon Ingram are both young players learning how to play in the NBA. And like we mentioned last time, these guys don't have much experience. Like they don't have many total games played. So it might take a few more years for them to actually develop into actual players. Yeah. But I think that Lonzo and Drew Holiday is just going to be so fucking bitching. (laughs) And that whole team is going to be really, really cool. Are we bringing bitching back? Is that, is that a terminology that we're going to really solidify? Drew with the karate kid headband, like the whole, (laughs) the whole aesthetic is there. Yeah. And Zion's there and elite each one more. Um, And it's, uh, it's just going to be a really fun team. And if they do well, like if they, which they can. They could yeah, easily they make it into could. the playoffs, which is crazy. And then they could make a trade with one of their, you know, enormous assets that they got from this weird offseason. And, I mean, who the hell knows what could happen then? Yeah. No, they're, they are – if we were doing a list of teams that we're excited for and our most intriguing teams of the NBA, I have to say the Pelicans are number one. I mean, there must be some bet you can make where – well, of course there is, where you're betting <laughs> that the Pelicans make the playoffs and the Lakers don't. Oh. And you make that bet because you are assuming that either Anthony Davis or LeBron gets hurt. And yeah. so they and because they have no other assets really, they they just find it very hard to compete in a loaded West again. And that's a distinct possibility. I don't think that would be a terrible bet to make. That would make me so happy. <laughs> well we we're not rooting for injury obviously. no of course not of course but, not we're just we're, uh, we're yeah, rooting for the lakers to suck. celtics fan if you can't tell and they have a rivalry with the lakers even though neither team has really done much recently okay okay at least we've done more let the record show sure it's crazy that the lakers haven't done anything they haven't been in the playoffs since 2012 yes that's oh. fucking crazy they garbage Um, All right, before we go on, we're going to take a quick uh, ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, now that we're back, Natty, give us another player who you are super high on, you're super intrigued about going into this fantasy season. Okay, I'm going to talk about a guy who was a top 30 player in my league last year, and you probably don't know what he sounds like. His name is Tobias Harris. He plays for the Philadelphia 76ers, and there's no Jimmy Butler around to take shots from him anymore. I think Toby, I'm a Pistons fan. I loved him on Detroit. He was fantastic in LA. And now I think that he is basically their number one scorer 
because Ben Simmons won't shoot threes yet. And uh, Josh Richardson isn't as high on the totem pole as Tobias is. So I think it's going to be the Tobias and Embiid show this year. And I think it's just going to be so also Al Horford is there, but he's not a guy that is really going to demand shots. So I think Tobias Harris, I mean, 20 points per game, eight rebounds, three assists. Why not? You know, he shot 43% uh, from three with the Clippers. And then he shot 32% from three with Philly. He is going, he's a plus 40% three-point shooter. He's going to be better. I think he's going to look just absolutely fantastic on this team, even though the spacing will still be difficult because, again, everyone knows that Ben Simmons can't shoot from deep. But um, I think the 76ers are going to be pretty goddamn good this year. They're huge. And Tobias might end up being – I mean, Embiid will probably be a better fantasy player than him, but Tobias could be up there too. Yeah, and I think you're – in because he's on the Sixers and because so much emphasis is put on Embiid and put on Simmons. And then you have Al Horford was their big free agent signing. Like you could see if you're playing in a league with maybe people who aren't as tuned in uh, as the general public is, or, 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 you know, not as fixated on the minutia of the NBA league. Uh, you could see Tobias Harris being the forgotten commodity of the Sixers in fantasy. And so you could get him at a discount, but you're right that he, might have the the easiest path to being the best, maybe second best uh, offensive producer for that team. The thing about Embiid is that with Horford also signing, Philadelphia might, this is the third time we're talking about being conservative, but they might play <laughs> it conservative with their bigs right. who have both been injured over the recent history. And, you know, one of them starts at center one game, one of them, you know, they go on and off and maybe their total minutes are down a little bit overall because they share more. But Toby Harris is going to fucking be out there every single goddamn minute they can get him out there because he's their best shooter. And Ben Simmons, who might get a bunch of triple doubles this year, hasn't shown that he can shoot. Or that he wants to shoot. Good God. Just like at least Giannis, Giannis can't shoot threes either, but at least he tries. The fact that Ben Simmons is too much of a coward to even take a fucking shot oh, in a wow. game. Just, just do it. Just take Did a we goddamn that three. Is a Celtics fan? I yeah. dare you to take a three, Ben Simmons. It is a little bit like John Lester in baseball when he just refused to yes. try to pick people off first. It, it, you know, there's some sort of. There's some sort of mental block there because of course, Sixers fans love to send around any video of him like playing pickup and Ben Simmons is draining threes. I noticed now he's shooting with his left hand, but like do it in a game. If you can hit threes in practice, just like sending things to people. They like sending. Yeah. Flaming piles of shit is what they like to send. Right. They're very busy (laughs) on the online, but Philly is going to be so God damn huge that playing against them is going to be very difficult for almost every team in the NBA. And dude, if we haven't even really talked about Josh Richardson, a player that I love a lot. And I mean, he's what their fourth option, maybe their fifth, depending on the lineups. Yeah. He was great in Miami last year. Yeah. He's a dude that has learned how to play with the burden of like maybe being the team's best player sort of similarly to Oladipo when he was in Orlando and was thrust into starting point guard duties Um, that kind of experience is helpful when later on you are on a team that makes more sense and is better run 
Um, not that Miami is poorly run, but uh, Josh Richardson shouldn't have had to be the best player on that team. Um, but the Sixers are going to be huge. They have shooting now, and they have some young guys that we haven't really seen anything from because of injury, like Zaire Smith, who mm-hmm. I'm very excited about. Yeah, no, they could be good. Uh, all right, so one of my my third guy we're now at my third guy who I'm interested, very intrigued by, and I promise this is my only Celtic, but I had to ha- had to have one, <laughs> could not have one Celtic, uh, Gordon Hayward. I'm just sure. I he's one full just year. Like boring white guys. I just love <laughs> boring white guys. That's exactly you know me. Uh, what his haircut be this year? <laughs> what what is the razor that he uses to trim those sides? Is it a one? Is it a two? I just can't tell. Uh, he's a one full basketball year away from injury, and you saw flashes last year of him kind of getting back into that Utah phase, you know, the Utah mode of driving and kicking and being aggressive. Then, of course, he would kind of curl up inside of himself and and be afraid to do all of that but all of the reports throughout the entire season the reason why he got so much starting time last year was because evidently in like practice he was the best player on the court and was killing it and just couldn't do it in game so i know i just spent like five minutes ripping on ben simmons for doing shit in practice but not in a game so i was gonna say i apologize but i don't <laughs> but i understand my hypocrisy there uh you're right to do it now. They were wrong to do it then. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, he showed flashes of it. He showed flashes of what he could be. And I think, to, again, just like with the Chris Stops thing, Gordon Hayward was so good in Utah. He was so good that last year when the Celtics signed him. And the, like he was 20-plus points a game, was shooting, out, shooting the lights out, was doing absolutely everything. And I think he could do that again. And I know that people are all worried that Gordon Hayward is going to get ostracized to, like again, the fourth wheel in this offense. But I'm not sure that that's true. I'm not sure that he's going to be the fourth or fifth wheel. I think there's a very real chance that he's the third behind Kemba and Tatum. And even he and Tatum, like, I don't know. I don't know what Brad has planned. But I think that he knows what he would like to do with Gordon Hayward. I mean, let's be honest. Brad Stevens was the one who created Gordon Hayward. Um, And I think that he can put the pieces together this year and return to being an extremely viable fantasy guy, top 25 kind of production um, and yeah, and and doing everything for the Celtics. It's just partly a partly a intriguing players, and partially a I want to put good vibes out there so that Gordon Hayward comes back fully healthy. Smart thinking, good Thank karma, you. Thank positive you. kudos. That's what I do. Gordon Hayward, before he got injured, was a premier player in the NBA and one of the you know guys that you wanted to have on your team, a wing that could score and can defend. And then his ankle almost fucking got ripped off his body. Oh, so gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A really, really, really bad injury. And not for nothing, but if you or I suffered that injury, it would probably take us a couple of fucking years to get back to, like, walking okay and doing things without... Well, to, like, have the confidence to, like, go charging into the paint where there's, like, 30 other bodies. Like, there's so many... Uh, examples of injuries taking more than one season to come back from you have your return season and then you sort of have your rehab season and then you're you're back um and this 
it's just strange to think about people's livelihoods that depend on their feet and how weird it must be for them to not be able to use their feet the way that they've been able to their whole lives. Right. Gordon Hayward, if he's healthy, is going to be bomb. He's just going to be so goddamn fucking good. <laughs> like you said, his coach and he have known each other since Gordon Hayward was a kid. Um, as I recall, he was like one of the only people or maybe the only person to recruit Hayward. Uh, and it's going to be, I mean, that's going to cause other problems on the Celtics because then who's getting shots, but let's not think about that. Let's just think about Gordon Hayward, much like Kevin Love returning to form after a couple of years of injuries. And that's, you know, going to be a great story. Hopefully it happens. And like we said last week, the season for the Celtics last year was so weird that everything should be thrown out. We didn't learn any lessons Everything was peculiar. Nothing worked. And all of those players are, were good. Gordon Hayward is a good basketball player. Yep. hundred uh, percent. All right. Let's rapid fire. The, our last two guys. Who's the final guy on your list for most intriguing. Okay. Well, I am going to go with Jimmy Butler on the Miami heat. Jimmy goddamn and, buckets. Yeah. I'm saying that because I'm sort of saying both. Butler and the Heat are going to be interesting. The Heat have a third most total cap behind Portland and Golden State, and they are in the Southeast Division. Here are the other teams in the Southeast Division. Charlotte, Atlanta, Orlando, and the fucking Wizards. They could all be bad. So bad. The That's Heat, so bad. I mean, like, Atlanta will be feisty and good, but their defense will be non-existent probably. Orlando will be, a, you know, sort of 500-ish team again in the East, so how good is that really? And the Wizards will have Beal, but maybe nothing else. All four of those teams could be garbage, and the Heat could, you know, all of a sudden have a leg up on being a top-four seed in the East, mainly because of their schedule. If Jimmy Butler decides that this is his chance to get an MVP and score 30 points a game and play his all-world defense and lead the Heat to, you know, competing for the number one seed in the East, then why can't he do that? I mean, it sort of feels like this has been his trajectory all along. I'm going to become the best player in the conference, or that's what he wants anyway. And I don't see why there's anyone else on his team that should really stop him. Yeah, that is, I mean... That's a sexy narrative right there is that Jimmy Butler just decides, you know what? I'm sick and tired of all these people kind of bad mouthing me and saying that, you know, I was the one who tanked the Timberwolves. I was the one who tanked the Sixers that I'm a locker room cancer and all these kinds of things. Like I'm going to prove to you that I am worth all of this trouble or whatever you foresee from me. I am this, you know, top five, top 10 basketball player in the NBA and just decides to just go full hog uh that i'm here for that i'm here for that story and that narrative to play out plus he's played with the 76ers and he knows how they operate and he had to take a bit of a back seat even though he closed a bunch of the games so i don't know who he doesn't hate in the nba at this point (laughs) he's just gonna be so chippy and so tough and so awesome i just really can't wait because uh, if he can put his money where his mouth is, then, you know, Miami could be uh, an important team again. And they really haven't been for the past four years. Yeah. Well, and more than just important, he could be, yeah, you're right, an MVP candidate, which is exactly what you want on your team. 
yeah like if he's playing all world defense and if he's scoring a lot then he's going to be in the conversation at yeah. least especially yeah. if the heat's record is inflated because they get to play all these in the teams so much <laughs> um all right so the last p pe- the last guy i'm talking about it's really two people it's the nets front court i'm very curious mm-hmm. very intrigued because jared allen had a really solid season last year played 26 minutes per game totally. was top 10 in blocks with six and free six and field goal percentage among centers and then uh, cool and he's awesome. One of the only guys still who rocks an afro and a handlebar fucking mustache in the NBA. Like, bring that shit back permanently, please, in the NBA. I agree, yeah. Um, Good point. And then Brooklyn goes out and gets DeAndre Jordan, which is like, what you doing, Brooklyn? Like, I understand that, you know, Kyrie and, 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 uh, and Kevin Durant wanted their boy there. But, like, Jared Allen is a 23-year-old center who just put up a really solid season. Why are you stunting his growth with – forcing 30 year old deandre jordan in there like i don't know if he's going to start if jordan's going to start but at the very least it's going to be a split timeshare now which stunts both of their fantasy ceilings so i'm curious to see how exactly that plays out because jared allen is someone who had a lot of potential uh and now seemingly it, it that's capped i agree when it first happened the durant stuff was and Kyrie stuff was so overwhelming that um, you know, everyone sort of shrugged at signing DJ. When DJ is on his game, he is getting all of the rebounds and he's a good player to have on your team. Uh, also, devil's advocate, I don't feel this way, but the Nets front office probably thought to themselves, if the difference between having Kyrie and Kevin Durant is that we stunt Jared Allen's growth, then fuck him. Fair like, point. Let's sign DeAndre because... Uh, because we have the Jared best Allen shouldn't be the guy that stops you from <laughs> right. getting stars. Right, you know, exactly. Like that's if if you really think that he's that valuable, then you should probably just trade him and try to get something else. Um, and maybe that's what will end up happening. But I I too just thought it was so shitty because everybody in Brooklyn loves Jared and um, he's a really fun player to watch. Also, if you're going to be a serious team, then you need to have a guy like DeAndre Jordan who can defend better than Allen, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, who knows with everybody's, um, you know, minutes, who knows how they're going to deploy these guys, who knows how healthy everybody is. But if, if DJ's, you know, healthy, then why can't he be good again? Yeah. At, at least in fantasy. Yeah, no, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it. It's just I'm curious to see how that all plays out because there's a lot of moving parts there and a lot of a lot of it fantasy sucks for impact. Jared Allen owners. It does yeah, I mean you're you're a hundred percent right. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Hey, uh, that's the reason was, we do this podcast is because if we all agree on everything, what the fuck's the point? Stop crying, Pete. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> but the what's going to be interesting from a fantasy standpoint is how. Um, people draft them and neither of them is going to get drafted as high as their individual talent level suggests they should so they could end up being bargains because you know bigs like if you if you can handcuff these guys like in a football situation yeah yeah yeah. then maybe that ends up being actually pretty valuable in fantasy that's not a bad idea bring a little if you're in a daily talk yeah that's the way to do it uh all right uh natty what's uh let's wrap this up what's been your favorite thing of the week well i will 
gloss over the fact that we are 2-0 and in the FIBA World Cup. So mm. that's pretty good. That's pretty, um, pretty dope. The favorite basketball thing I have from this week is that Raja Bell gave an interview and said that Shaq had a signal that he would give to his teammates uh, that meant that Kobe was shooting too much and don't give him the ball. <laughs> and I guess this was when Kobe was younger because you don't really do that, I don't think, when Kobe turned into Kobe. But it was like the signal was uh, you bunch your fists and then mash your thumb on them like a video game controller. <laughs> and it is incredible that Shaq thought that he could do this and did it but that he wasn't confident enough to just be like, hey, guys, don't fucking pass it to Kobe. I'm older and better than him. Do what I say. <laughs> I love this simple idea. And like, and seemingly the thought process that went into creating that, you know, like that wasn't just like a random hand. It was like a, oh, Kobe is mashing the shoot button too much. Don't pass it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe he doesn't know what it means. He keeps like, what is Shaq? Do that. Everyone's like, what the, what the fuck is Shaq doing? Uh, it is beautiful. I do love just listening to the, the chaos that those two were together. It just kind of seep out. Because it seems like there was another story that came out, too, about them and, and their relationship when they were both in L.A. It's just, I am always, I'm always here for discontent and for chaos in, in the Lakers organization. I mean, L.A. is not unfamiliar with doomed marriages and they are really interesting to watch <laughs> unfold because eventually they split obviously. And then you get to hear all the salacious details. Um, and as a Pistons fan, I can say that the Lakers probably should have had at least one more ring with that duo. They yeah. were crazy. They just seemed like they were leaps and bounds better than everybody else when Kobe and Shaq were we're going full steam. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's very true. So you got anything else for this week? What's up, man? Uh, yeah. So my favorite, favorite thing this week, I was, this was just brought to light to me by, I think it was, uh, Roger Sherman, uh, from the ringer. I guess FIBA has a bunch of different rules and one of them is the SWAT ball rule. Do you know this rule? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That once the ball touches the rim, any player can then make a play on it, regardless if it's like in the cylinder that the NBA just, you know. Right. Uh, it's how Brazil beat Greece because Bruto Cabo, Cabo Colo. Uh, Caboclo. Caboclo. Yeah. There you go. This is why I have you here. Uh, he swatted a missed free throw that hit the rim to, to win the game. I just, I want this in the NBA. Imagine how different Kwai's three-pointer would have been to beat the Sixers had like J.J. Redick been like sprinted up to the hoop as if the ball bounces for like the fifth time and just comes up and just yeah. swatched the shit out of it into the stands and everyone's like, well, guess we're going to OT. But I think you just said the reason why we don't have that rule. Because but that's so much better! bounces were the most captivating thing that had happened in the playoffs, and everyone's always going to remember it. And maybe those bounces destroyed the 76ers. Like, what if they never get back to that spot again? Um, it's totally possible. We've seen people destroy teams before, even when we thought that they were still good. LeBron did it to, you know, bad boys too, mm -hmm. uh, even though they were still good for several years after, I mean, after LeBron destroyed us in overtime in the playoffs, it, it was done. You could see it. So I don't think that's the case with Philly, but, but I maybe, think, uh, I think the bounces add to the tension, especially with last second shots. And I get that everybody wants this 
Um, I assume that there is a basketball reason for why we are different. It would be interesting. Oh, I'm sure that is. I mean, you're right. You like, I think you exactly explained why. Like, it, it makes sense why you don't touch it over the rim because you never know what can happen. The ball bounces in funny ways. And if, if the NBA had been stripped of that moment of those quiet bounces, then yeah, that's a, that is like one of a defining moment in a generation that would have never occurred because someone could have run in and just swatted the ball away. But that would be true in international play too. So why do like the why the do have it in international difference exists? I think is interesting. Like yeah, there, is there a philosophical difference, or is it just that like oh well status quo and you know we don't want to change? I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe we'll have to get Adam Silver on the podcast and he can answer that for us. I'll text him right now. Don't <laughs> send out send out the silver sim- signal. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Adam. We need you, Adam. This, this fundamentally strange question <laughs> that doesn't really matter except for three times a year. Bring that beautiful bald head over here and answer this question for me. I mean, maybe they just don't want dudes like with huge hands, like just all swatting at the rim. <laughs> maybe. You know, but maybe, how like, funny that would have been also great to watch. Like they're just, they're gonna ruin it. They're gonna break the rim. We already had to fix breakaway rooms because of Shaq, and now I don't yeah. want to have to make the rim. Don't grow on trees, man. We make those things. They are that shit expensive. Evo. Yeah, yeah, that's rare. that's rare. Well, I think we might have just cracked the case. We're detectives. We've always <laughs> known that. Deputize and, us, and now we've and now we've proven it. Uh, awesome, dude. Anything else on your mind before we sign off? No, just that. Uh, people should, you know, root for USA in the World Cup. Amen. I really don't want to see any kind of bad thing in this tournament at all. The Jason Tatum scare is enough. I don't want to see any more injuries. I don't want to see any more pulling our bigs, even though Mason didn't get to play. Oh, by the way, I did want to mention something. Mason's brother, Marshall Plumley, who played in the NBA and is seven feet tall, just became a U.S. Army Ranger. Oh, hell yes. A seven-foot-tall Ranger. Why is he not? They better not have him do ninja shit. Damn. (laughs) Dudes like that can't skulk around. (laughs) You can't really, like, hide beneath the bushes. You can see that dude coming from over the horizon. (laughs) He's just there to, like, carry things and play basketball and be cool. He's just, he's the Iron Giant. I mean, U.S. Army Rangers are no joke. So that's no. that's for that's real. impressive. Congrats that is an impressive yeah. way to be a seven footer in that. Well done, sir. Well, there you go. Uh, that's all we got. Make sure to subscribe to us on the Fake Teams podcast channel. So when you go to iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast, search Fake Teams and hit subscribe. You'll get our this podcast. You'll get our fantasy football and our fantasy baseball podcast. Give us five stars. Tell us why you're excited for the NBA season to start. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the long two podcast. And we will be back at you next week to talk more fantasy basketball until then. Natty, have a good week. You do the same, man.